Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey, welcome friends. Uh, my name is Justin Kim and you are on Inverse and whether you're listening by podcast or watching through audio, we want to say welcome to each one of you out there. I also want to say welcome to Jonathan and Siku and Thank you. Uh, Israel. Yeah, <laughs> Israel. Yeah, that's his name. We have been with our team has been together. We have lost our two dear friends, uh, Callie and Sebastian. They are ministering in different fields and different ways. And we want to say a shout out to all to two of you guys if you're if you're watching. <laughs> and uh, we are uh, we've been with us. We've been with us. We've been with our each other. Together. Our team. Our mm-hmm. team has been with us. A unity. We have been we've together. been together. We've been together. <laughs> been together for about what ten weeks now, and we are on episode eleven. And we're looking at the topic of Adventist heritage, different vignettes in from the eighteen forty four onwards that describe the characteristics of our church. And there's just one particular characteristic that we'd like to cover today about the gospel in action. That's the episode's name. That's the lesson's name. If you go to inversebible.org, you can download our Bible study guide on the topic of Adventist heritage and looking at the gospel in action. Like, what does that mean? That sounds a little ambiguous, maybe a little, um, you know... Cheesy. Cheesy. I wasn't <laughs> going to use that word, but you said it first, Israel. Uh, what... Uh, <laughs> what does cheesy mean? I want to... Um, well, we appreciate the the author who who brought this topic to us, to our attention. Um, Israel, can you pray for us? And, yeah. and uh, we can get into the topic. All right, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to ask that you'll be with us as we study our topic today, that you'd bless us with your presence, and that you would bless this conversation and guide it. In Mm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Siku, can you describe the environment, the social milieu of of early Adventism, and not just what's happening in the church, but also what's happening, the social issues happening around the church, or what the church is in the midst of? Yes, so the Adventist church, I mean, the, ch- the church comes about at a time when, um, if you think about where U.S. history was in mm-hmm. that time, which I'm not a U.S. history buff. I am, I'm like a church history, <laughs> church history person. But um, in U.S. history at the time, like, mm-hmm. you know, you still had, you know, people who were enslaved, mm-hmm. you know, had enslaved people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also had people who were, you know, speaking out against um, slavery. Uh, you had... Uh, at the time, women did not have uh, the ability to vote, um, and there were there were movements that were mm-hmm. going towards, you know, uh, I guess, recognizing women as full human, mm-hmm. you know, and being capable of intellectually comprehending. We call it suffrage, um, yeah, women's yeah, suffrage. Yeah, so women's suffrage mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. suffrage movement. So there were there were social movements that were happening at the time. There was, there was even movements um, to deal with like uh, health issues. Um, uh, with 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 smoking and and those kind of things mm-hmm. in the social in in the social sphere like not also just also alcohol the alcohol prohibition mm-hmm. yeah and so, so these a lot are, of a lot of a lot of social re- rhetoric what's what's the word uh, a lot of um, I don't want to say noise because that's it's important stuff but just a lot of activity going on I guess I just want to make the point very akin to today mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, social rights movement activity mm-hmm. talk you know just that's that's the um, I don't know if in U.S. history, but maybe it webs and, and, and ebbs and flows, but webs, it ebbs and flows, uh, but th- very similar to our day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And so what, what, how, what was the Adventist Church's reaction to, to all this? I mean, uh, for one thing, like um, 
the the people who are joining the Avent movement, you have people coming in from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? Um, of note, uh, especially you know, with 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 respect to the social movements that were happening at the time, uh, the person who ended up being the first president of the Adventist Church when the church was organized, um, his name was John Byington. Mm-hmm. And he actually, before he became a Seventh-day Adventist, was an abolitionist. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a wealthy farm owner. He, he owned a huge farm like with a lot of land, and they were producing a lot. Really? A lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we hear John Byington all the time uh, as the first uh, General Conference president, and we just he's kind of one of those you know Adventist trivia answers. <laughs> but I don't know any stories about him. Yeah, no, I mean, he was, he was pretty well off, actually. Um, Had a cool beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Ellen White uh, wrote him a letter rebuking him for his for being worldly oh. at at a point because you know he retained his farm and was producing a lot and i guess she was talking about you know being more sacrificial in his giving and that mm-hmm. kind of thing but he was a well off guy mm-hmm. um and uh his farm actually was a stop for in the underground uh, railroad, railroad. Oh, cool. yeah um for slaves who were escaping slavery from the south mm-hmm. you know and and going up northward and he was actively involved in you know in the abolition movement in lobbying you know politically you know for the eradication of slavery mm. and that kind of thing and then he became seventh day adventist in 1852 mm-hmm. um after reading actually a copy of the adventist review um and he he accepted the advent faith it becomes a seventh day adventist and his focus switches Wow. Not that he stopped. Just from the reading of the magazine? Reading the magazine, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you can go to AdventistReview.com and check it out. Uh, if you don't know and haven't caught the news, that Siku and I are our editors of the Adventist Review. And just to learn about the historical legacy has been just a huge blessing to us. Mm-hmm. And to see the ramifications and still in existence today is a great responsibility and uh, a privilege. Yeah. So I just want to make that shameless plug there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but Sorry you know, he, he, re- he reads Adventist Review, he becomes Adventist. And so he. His focus, it, like in 1952, you don't see him as active any longer mm. with, with abolitionism. Not that he stops caring, mm. but he switches his focus, and his focus becomes on preaching the gospel, you know, and preaching the, the Advent message. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, like, to me, like, when I look at his life, um, it, it's not, it, not necessary. You don't have to stop caring about, mm. you know, social issues to be a to be a committed seventh-day adventist Mm -hmm. but seventh-day adventism actually embraces all all the the issues like the 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 injustice that people experience you know um health issues and we're talking about like the temperance movement like all of these things that the advent the advent message encompasses all of these things Mm -hmm. so you could be somebody who cares about you know the issues that are facing a particular people group whether it's you know the aboriginal native people of your of your country Mm Um, and be a Seventh-day Adventist because it's actually embraced in the message of Seventh-day Adventism. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very interesting, and I think uh, you just did nuance that there was a cultural and social uh, milieu that Adventism was in, and there was a lot of issues and a lot of uh, causes, but the Adventist Church was very keen on which causes they were involved in. And, and how and they how. were involved. And you see that, like, at least uh, in the secular context, I mean, you had the 1840s, 1849, the great gold rush, and then people are going to California. You had stock and economic or whatever going on. 
the Amish Church really didn't get involved in that. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of reference to, even though that was the predominant thing in all the newspapers. And then when it comes to uh, the politics, they were only involved selectively on some of these moral issues. Uh, there was confusion back then also whether how much the church should get involved. There are other churches that were completely subsumed in this. Mm-hmm. And so just to say that, hey, the Adventist Church was really involved in social causes back then, therefore we should be involved in social causes today, is a nuanced statement. Because mm-hmm. they were saying that where does the Bible intersect with society on moral issues? And that's where the Adventist Church should, should to, to personally, as, as individuals, mm-hmm. come out in stances on, mm-hmm. rather than just not giving every issue out there just because it's an issue. Mm-hmm. And and I think the, the the neat thing, like if you look at even looking at the writings of Ellen White, like mm-hmm. um, the, the 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 pamphlet that she wrote the on the Southern work mm-hmm. that was written like in 1898, which at the time you don't have um, you, slavery still exists, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. the abolition movement is still going on, mm-hmm. but she's writing that we need to as a people do work for you know the emancipated emancipated slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this. This is not just about being like with with what's cool and what's current. It's about with it's it's about being biblical, you know, and it's about the mission and and doing the right thing regardless of what is popular in society or what it costs you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was that was what was at the core of you know the mm-hmm. activism, so to speak. Yeah. It was yeah. based in the Bible, in the message, and in the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And L. was pretty pretty radical for her time. I mean, in the 1850s, she advocated you know not to uh, um, uh, abide by the fugitive, uh, what is it called, the fugitive um, slave act uh-huh. to to return, return a slave to the master. Mm-hmm. She said, "Do not like as Adventists, we cannot follow this kind of law. Mm-hmm. We we want to be good citizens, but when when the laws of the land um, clash with the laws of God, mm-hmm. um, then we we abide." By the law of God, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she she promoted and advocated that we should not abide by that. Awesome civil mm-hmm. disobedience based yes. on scripture. Yes, awesome, definitely. Awesome. 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 I think I think what we have to understand when we're looking at these issues is that they they also were looking at them from a more complex and uh, wide perspective. Like one of the principles, for example, in in dealing with the issues of slavery or the work in the South was the fact that, um, as as uh, Siegel was saying. There was a radical. There was a radical commitment to scripture, and if you look at what she says in the Desire of Ages, when it comes to the story of the Good Samaritan, it says, you know, she's she her belief was that regardless of what happens when you study the life of Christ as it is expressed in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he's the Good Samaritan, right? It says even though he himself is at risk of death. Uh, he doesn't consider himself, doesn't consider what happens if the rules were reversed. You know, this person who was injured would not help uh, the Samaritan, doesn't consider anything except the fact that this person needs him right now. Mm-hmm. And then she says, like, some of the most radical things like, you know, our neighbor is the person who needs us in that moment, mm-hmm. and we should do everything, we should use all all of our resources. We should put our own safety at risk. We should do whatever it takes to help our neighbor who is hurt or who is in pain. And and when when we talk about when we talk about social justice issues today and our need to advocate and our need to um, you know support the downtrodden and so forth, we have no idea what we're talking about within the context of what the church used to do. Mm. You know, what I mean, the fact that 
you know, Jay, uh, or Edson White, you know, w- put his life at risk, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I'm not going to I'm not trying to blast marches and signing petitions and stuff like that. But that is not enough. You mm-hmm. know, there are social justice issues that are taking place every single day of our lives. Mm-hmm. The homeless person that doesn't have a place to eat, mm-hmm. the people that are in danger who we ignore, people that we come in contact with all the time that we do absolutely nothing mm. to help. Yet we're willing to sit behind a little computer. So not just the the propaganda, political propaganda component, or yeah. click 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 the click the vis click the vism click the vism. I don't know if that's a word. I'm just I was trying to help uh, you. <laughs> but yeah, no, there, I mean, that that is our generation, right? Yeah. We're like, I'm going to get involved. Click 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 click. I'm involved. You know, we yeah. change the world. But you're saying actually one to one person interaction. It, that and that is the gospel in action. Mm. It, it, it the gospel cannot be. Um, you know, applied by proxy. I mean, yeah, you can donate to a good cause. And, yes. And someone will do the work. Yes. But God is calling us individually to be involved. Yes. To their personal work. Because at the end of the day, we're helping them because we love them. Mm-hmm. But we also want to bring the gospel to them mm-hmm. in actions and in words eventually. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is that we are, we are God's hands, God's feet, and not just some organization. There's nothing wrong with organizations that do good work, and we should support them. And it, it, it can often be effective when there's large issues, you know, natural catastrophes, et cetera, et cetera. But the, 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 the lot of, of some, some people who are in really terrible situations that might be our neighbors or, you know, down the street, they matter too. It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, okay, like oh, this issue, and as you said, the, the click-to-vism. Click mm-hmm. um, but the gospel in action is a personal work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we referenced uh, Edison White, and I just want to talk about him mm-hmm. a little bit. I, cool. I, like, I like the story, mm-hmm. uh, and it illustrates what you're saying, yeah. uh, because you see that Edison White was one of the, the two sons of Ellen White. Mm-hmm. Ellen White, one of our church pioneers, she had four sons. The oldest one died, the youngest one died, and you have the two. And I just like the story because I have two sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, one son was the wayward one and one son was the good one mm. uh, Edson was the one that would go around to the GC leadership general conference leadership the headquarters and just say oh, just borrow a lot of money in the name of dad and mom and then just, just splurge it on whatever he was kind of the classic uh, what, we, what we call PK uh, pastor's kid and then you had Willie, who was like the angel, would follow mom around everywhere, would help her preach, would help her drive, play, not, not drive, but anyway, do all the accompanying of traveling. And just to give um, some encouragement to those who have been praying for their children, it mm-hmm. wasn't until Edson was 44 years old mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and Sister White, we call her Sister White, uh, just... I just was praying for her son, yearning for her son. Mm-hmm. I mean, she understood the the dissonance that, or not dissonance, wrong word, the the pain really mm-hmm. at the end of the day that the parents have when their children aren't aren't in the Lord. Anyway, at forty four, she finally writes a letter mm-hmm. and says, uh, "My paraphrase, mother, I finally met Jesus after wow. all these years. I finally met." And I just remember there's another story where he Edson was meeting his wife, and Ellen White says, "Don't marry each other, not because you know to the to the girl, not because you're." bad it's because my own son is is bad that you shouldn't marry him but they married anyway and they, they got into whatever lifestyle they did but at 44 both of them got involved and they bought a what is it, a river boat a river steamboat mm-hmm. and they served the morning star and they served the southern regions of the mississippi and risky business or risky yeah. business yeah. okay um, and I <laughs> saw <laughs> so the Mississippi, and then you're like risky business, yeah. Uh, no, and then there's different floors of of the of the yeah. Morning Star of the Riverboat, and so in there there was a a, a, a publishing house, there was a little um, hydrotherapy uh, um, 
uh, wellness uh, center, wellness center <laughs> kind of thing. Um, there's a church there. There was there were classes. So it's so he would park along the the riverside and then invite people, and especially with the what they called back then the colored uh, community. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, here was a white guy. I mean, literally his last name is White, you know, and he's a white guy, and <laughs> oh, he's yeah. going into these these uh, black minority communities. Slave. I don't know if there were slaves or I don't know the actual d- details. Slaves. But he's, I mean, he's, he's manifesting what you're saying. He's not up in the north, so only protesting mm-hmm. with a sign, but he's out there hand in hand, yeah. teaching, mm-hmm. healing, preaching, uh, doing the gospel work yeah. with them, and helping out all the political cause as well mm-hmm. in a very implicit manner. Yeah. I think that's just awesome. That's yes. beautiful. And it's, and it's at, at, personal risk yes, you know? yes. and it's sacrifice a yeah, loss yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and being willing to put yourself out there um, I think for we, we haven't gone to the text yet but mm. when when we talk about in when Jesus comes right and, and he sees those who he mm-hmm. welcomes into the kingdom and he talks about the, the acts of service that they did and mm-hmm. all the things that they did they're doing this and, and for them it's just it, it they they don't they're like when did we see you naked or whatever it's they're not doing it so that they can get points they're not mm. doing it to be super christians it's not like this is what's going to get me saved mm. it's it's a natural outworking of their relationship with mm. god mm-hmm. is this is how you interact with mm-hmm. the world around you and it's at it's at risk to yourself right mm-hmm. like visiting those who are poor you know like making sure well, people well, have clothes well this great segue let's go to Matthew 25 uh, the accusation will be like man are you guys just talking about you know isn't this social gospel are you just hey we should do uh, just good works because the sake of the, are you just being like what well, the salvation army and just you know all these things is there an eschatological component which that's the other thing that we're finding in this mm-hmm. arc that everything that they're doing is is there's an eschatological tone to everything not that they're doing it because Jesus is coming but there's a certain relationship in light of that of Jesus is coming Um, and then so all this you know quote social work that we're doing is there an eschatological component to it it's very clear let's go to uh, Matthew 25 as we go there real quick Mm -hmm. I think something that's important to segue into this is the fact that just because as as we get into you know the time of the end as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ it's not that new shifts are taking place mm-hmm. or new light is being developed it's just that now what is happening is it gives us a context for the need to be more serious about what has all what we always should have been so serious about you know like the sabbath was there since creation you know mm-hmm. and it's and it, it it doesn't mean that now it's like a big deal it wasn't a big deal before it's like now more than ever it is a big deal yeah. it's always been a big deal but you've missed it make sure you don't miss it in the end this same thing like being like essentially exactly what you were saying being a christian which is being a christian right a follower of christ <laughs> yes, right yes uh, has always <laughs> been critical but as G- as Jesus is about to return, more and more should we emphasize the fact that if we are not genuine imitators of Christ, mm-hmm. regardless of what we call ourselves and mm-hmm. titles that we use mm-hmm. to identify, we are not Christians. And mm-hmm. so I think I I just want to say that because when it comes to the eschatological context, it doesn't mean that there's just all of a sudden a shift. It's we should have That's been so all these things all this time. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Hey, great. Great, 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 great uh, context there. Great reminder. Uh, let's go to Matthew 25, 31 to until we get tired. That's 31. Um, Jonathan, can you start? Sure. With 
When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Okay, verse 41, Israel, can you pick up? Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Mm -hmm. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into into eternal life. All right. So you could connect these two together for us. What's going on here? Connect the verses. Mm-hmm. Okay. To our eschatological emphasis of the, the, the gospel in action. I mean, this is when Jesus comes, right? When mm. Jesus comes, as he is dividing those who have been faithful to him and those who have not, what he uses is not theological knowledge. Mm. He's not like, oh, you knew this doctrine or you, you've, you went to this church. What he uses is what, what actions that they carried out mm. toward their fellow humanity giving food which, giving drink taking in clothing visiting and, and caring caring about those who are less fortunate yeah. than you are um which you know it, it goes to like the you know in james where he says you know show me show mm-hmm. me your faith and, I, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i'll show you my oh, faith okay. by my works right. right that the the works are not what saves you but the works are evidence of Genuine the faith, faith. that mm-hmm. you have and ultimately what's interesting is when jesus says he says and based on their actions, it determines whether he says, I know you or I don't know you, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So knowing Jesus results in this kind of behavior, right? It is rooted in the relationship with Jesus. And says, I know you by your works, and the reason that you're doing these works is because this is what I do. The, the works that I was working, those are the works that you're working. And so there's a, there's not just a knowledge, an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. There's an experiential knowledge in terms of the way that we live our lives. We live like Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. And when he comes, his sheep know his voice, right? There's a recognition of each other because you're living the life that Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is you know, you're my, you're my person. Mm, And there's kind of a delusion amongst those who think, you know, amongst us, you know, Christians Mm -hmm. who would think that if I have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, when Jesus comes, I'm like, Hey, like, um, I want to go into the kingdom. And he's like, but your person, your being is not like me. Like, I don't know you. We're, we're not the same Mm -hmm. 
material, person. Yeah. yeah, we're not mm-hmm. made of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is within the context of ma- that we in the very, very, very beginning of our time together. We talked about the ten virgins, mm-hmm. and sim- episode one. Yeah, episode one, and similar things. And then there's also another parable, the parable of the talents. In every one of these situations, what's crazy about it is in the ten virgins, they all have the the lamp, which was the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. They have a knowledge of scripture. When it comes to the next parable, the talents, they all have talents. They all have gifts. Uh, by the way, truth is a talent, right? Mm-hmm. Money is a talent. Life is a talent. Uh, hmm. The things that God gives us, these are talents. And so they have talents, right? Uh, and then now you have, once again, you're coming into actions, right? Uh, the use of what God has given uh, to the, the use of what God has given to us. What's crazy is in these situations is that what's differentiating these people is not whether some have access to the truth or to gifts or to uh, abilities. That's not what differentiates them. What differentiates them is what they do with what they have, mm-hmm. right? So in the parable of the ten virgins, yeah, they have a knowledge of the truth, but the truth has not filled their their souls right it has not had uh uh it has not had an impact in their daily life and that's why they're lost Mm. in the parable of the talents you have the people that use the talents that god has given them and those who don't and then now you have essentially a very similar uh re-emphasis of the same thing you have a group of people who say they know the lord right but one of them one of these groups of people even though they say they know God, they don't know God because they don't know how to act like mm. him. And 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 it's you know, it kind of reminds me, like for example, there are some things that my children will do that they themselves don't know it's a representation of me. Right? They'll say something or even respond to me. We'll be having a conversation. They'll say something or they'll do something. And they don't know where it's coming from. They're unaware of the fact that they got that from me or from their mom, mm-hmm. the way they act or the way they behave, because they have my DNA in them. And in this situation, these people, they're living out their lives unaware of the fact that the saving truth, the grace of God has mm. so transformed them wow. that they are Christ-like without them wow. even acknowledging that. Mm, yeah. Where others are trying to are trying to be Christ-like, yet miss the whole point of what Christ-likeness is. Mm. And so I think the gospel in action is the gospel taking action in us and thereby affecting the way we live in society. I mean, mm. I, mm-hmm. it, it can, it, 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 I cannot but just quickly comment on like when we did Isaiah fifty eight. Yeah, I was just gonna the say terms, that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go ahead. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Like the the, the 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 things that Jesus recognizes them doing, it's almost verbatim what yes. Isaiah fifty eight talks about. Yeah. Like feeding the hungry, you know, clothing the naked, bringing in those who have nowhere to go, bringing in the destitute. That it's it's almost word for word. If we are truly keeping Sabbath, if we're having a Sabbath experience, um, an experience with God that is transformative, which yeah. is what Sabbath is ought to be, mm-hmm. that the result is like the true fast is of doing these acts. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. eschatological connection is because it says that you, the God's glory will then be seen in the world, which is his character, his love, his truth revealed. Revelation 18 talks about the glory of God shining around the whole world in the, in the very end. Mm-hmm. There needs to be one final push of truth and love for the whole world, and that is the gospel in action, you know, by the indwelling Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in his people. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thanks everyone for this wonderful discussion on the gospel in action. There are so many points that we haven't covered, but hopefully this discussion has inspired all of you to get involved with taking Jesus's message and the gospel a little bit more seriously to the people around you. As Israel wonderfully mentioned, that this isn't an emphasis on social work or getting involved, but it's just a continuation of our Christianity in light of Jesus's second coming. We are looking at different vignettes of Adventism in in history, and hopefully this episode has inspired you. Next week, we're going to look at another interesting moment in Adventism's history. Join us here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, This is Inverse.